the Rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to these services during the season of Advent, the time when we prepare for the coming of Christ into our world at Christmas. These online acts of worship, which we offer every Sunday, include readings, prayers and sermons that have been newly recorded, together with congregational hymns and choir items drawn from our extensive archive of recorded music. I shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, so please join your prayers with mine. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. Welcome to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin by lighting the fourth of our Advent candles. Let us pray. We light these Advent candles 
to remind us of those who prepared for the coming of Christ, the patriarchs, the prophets, John the Baptist and the Virgin Mary. As we remember them, Lord God, help us to prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ and to open our hearts to receive him. God our Father, the angel Gabriel told the Virgin Mary that she was to be the mother of your son, and though fearful, she responded with joy. Help us to heed your call to bring love and healing unto the lives of others. We ask this through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Blessed be God forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. When the Lord comes, he will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Therefore, in the light of Christ, let us confess our sins. Almighty God, 
Our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen.
Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God, our Redeemer, who prepared the Blessed Virgin Mary to be the mother of your Son, grant that as she looked for his coming as our Saviour, so we may be ready to greet him when he comes again as our Judge, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from the second book of Samuel, chapter 7, beginning at the first verse. Now when the king dwelt in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies round about, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This is the word of the Lord.
The epistle is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 16, beginning at the 25th verse. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the teaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore. Through Jesus Christ, Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob for ever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. The other day I came across a magazine article in which several well-known celebrities were invited to reflect on the advice that they would now want to give to their own younger selves, knowing what they have gleaned about life, the universe, and everything. And I found myself asking the same question. What would I want to say to my own younger self? I think it would probably be two things. Firstly, never ever squander or take for granted the opportunities that come your way, particularly those that are unexpected or appear out of the blue. And the second thing would be, don't be so afraid of the unknown. I've realized that for me, those two things are connected because if I'm honest, the principal reason why I failed to take advantage of several amazing opportunities that were presented to me when I was a young adult was because I was scared. I was extremely reluctant to go into unfamiliar territory or to deal with unknown people or to embrace anything where I didn't feel entirely comfortable or secure. Fortunately for me, 
in ministry, you simply can't get away with that kind of attitude for long because there are so many challenging situations that you have no choice but to go into and just deal with. But it has taught me how easily it is that fear of the unknown or of the loss of the familiar really can prevent good and life-giving things from happening. It has certainly been my own experience that on those occasions where, despite all my fears, I plucked up the courage to do whatever it was that was being asked of me, I never, ever regretted it. And I grew through doing so, and my horizons were broadened, and my understanding was deepened. But I do recognise why it is that people want to cling on to the familiar, because I have been there myself. One of the most challenging things about the life of faith is that it is never, ever static. The Bible is full of people travelling all the time because God required of them that they leave behind the familiar and head off into the unknown so that his purposes may be fulfilled. Abram was called to leave ancient Haran despite his extreme old age in order to seek a new life for his descendants. Moses led the Israelites through the wilderness for 40 years. Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem and then down to Egypt. Jesus himself had a ministry that was completely itinerant. The apostles were sent out to make disciples of all nations. And St. Paul took the good news of Jesus Christ from town to town throughout the Roman Empire, founding new churches as he went, because God had called him specifically to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Discipleship demands that we keep on the move. We cannot simply create a place of safety for ourselves and stay there. Of course, the kind of new venture that takes us out into the unfamiliar does not necessarily have to involve physical travel. It can take other forms as well. It might be the invitation to take on a task or a responsibility or a commitment that we know will take us well out of our comfort zone. Yet, there too, we can experience the gulf between what we find comfortable and what we are called to do, which can be a cause of inner struggle and turmoil. I'm not suggesting, by the way, that this means that we should accept every invitation that comes our way regardless, because we also need to be very discerning. Some opportunities may come our way that really are not right for us. No, my main point is a rather simpler one, which is this. Decisions that are ultimately based on fear are almost invariably bad decisions. And that can be particularly the case in relation to the life of faith. But there's another layer of complexity within our call to discipleship, which is our need not only to be courageous, but also to be prepared to be surprised when dealing with the things of God. Because the ways of God are not our ways, 
and sometimes there can be a sizable gulf between what we assume God must want and what God is actually calling us to do and to be. Our biblical readings this morning include some really good and contrasting examples of this. In our Old Testament reading from 2 Samuel, we heard how King David wants to build God a house, a permanent and stable dwelling place, because he feels that this is wrong, that he, David, has a house of cedar, whereas God dwells in a mere tent. As you are doubtless aware, David's conduct and priorities are sometimes far from praiseworthy, but to his credit, here he is at least attempting to do something that will honour God. So it is rather startling when God responds through the prophet that this is not in fact what he is asking of David. The task of building a dwelling place for God will be fulfilled but by one who is to come after David. It is not for David himself to do. Conversely, in our gospel reading, God asks something absolutely astonishing of the most unlikely and unsuitable person imaginable. It is the story of the Annunciation, the visit made by the angel Gabriel to Mary, who tells her of the miraculous child that she is soon to bear. Now, I suspect that most of us would feel utterly terrified to find ourselves, as we went about the ordinary business of an ordinary day, suddenly and unexpectedly confronted by an angelic being. And Mary, remember, is still a young girl, a girl who is betrothed, but as yet unmarried. No wonder that the angel has to tell her not to be afraid. And more than that, the message that the angel delivers to her is so utterly bizarre, indeed so utterly impossible, that it is hard to imagine its full impact upon her. Mary is told that she is greatly favoured, that she will conceive by the Holy Spirit and give birth to a son, a holy child, whom she will call Jesus, who will inherit the throne of David. Oh, and incidentally, just to throw another miracle into the conversation, Mary's elderly, childless relative, Elizabeth, is also six months pregnant. What? The gospel story does record Mary's response, both her perplexity, how shall this be, and also her assent. Let it be to me according to your word. But it gives us very little idea of the emotions underlying her reaction. The poet Anne Lewin has written a poem entitled simply Mary, in which she imagines speaking to that young girl, exploring how she felt when she responded to the angel's earth-shattering message. And alongside that, the poet expresses with remarkable honesty her own reluctance to accept such challenges herself, to hear the call of God and to act upon it, to go on that journey. She goes on to reflect how those around Mary might have responded too, 
because there is so much that we are simply not told in the biblical story. And has all the adulation that Mary has received throughout all the years of Christian history, which has encased her, imprisoned her in dogma, obscured the truth of that very real young girl? And what of the sword that we, are late, that we later learn will pierce Mary's heart? Anne Lewin's poem, Mary, goes like this. Full of grace. I wonder what that felt like. Was your acceptance swift and total? Meek as your stained glass image? Or was it wrung from you in sweat and agony of mind? The God I know does not get submissions very easily, but then I'm not a saint. Perhaps you weren't either, just an ordinary person struggling to understand. Has the adulation over the years been a bit of an embarrassment, imprisoning you in dogma, preventing us from seeing you as you are? The family, were they convinced? And the neighbours? I've often wondered about that visit to Elizabeth. Was that to get you away from all the gossip until the wedding could be arranged discreetly? And what about Joseph? He must have thought it a fine kind of angel who'd visited you. We'll never know. But whatever happened, I'm pretty sure the sword that pierced your soul didn't wait for the crucifixion. And I've got a feeling that you watch with some sympathy as we struggle with our mysteries and pain. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the Scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. 
We believe in one holy, catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. At the end of each prayer, I will say, Lord, for the years, would you please respond? We give you thanks. So, Lord, for the years. Lord of the morning, we ask you to hear the prayers we offer for Elizabeth, our Queen, and her family. We pray for Alison, our rector, and Jeff, our associate priest, and for all within the church who have worked tirelessly during the past months to bring us together in an act of worship. May the gift of your holy word be a lantern at our feet, a light to our paths, and a strength to our lives. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. As we leave the European Union, we pray for all who are involved. Help them to be respectful of all parties' views, to understand the needs of our time and to learn from the mistakes of the past in shaping the future of the United Kingdom. The coronavirus pandemic has created loneliness and hardship, not being able to see friends and family and generally changing our way of life, but also has brought creativeness and a sense of community. We pray we will come out of this crisis with more freedom and hope and be kinder to each other. For many, nature, the garden and pets have been a constant source of comfort. The trees and the meadow, the streams and the mountains and birdsong will remain. We thank you for the splendour of your creation. Help us to keep this treasure, your earth, safe from harm. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. At this Christmas time, we think of all who will not experience the joy of the season, those whose loved ones are far away, unable to be together, or who have died during the year, leaving an empty chair. We pray for all who feel unloved and unwanted, the homeless and their animals, and for all who are suffering from depression, broken relationships and broken trust, for those who are unwell and those who care for them. Bless those in need of healing, the renewal of body and the renewal of spirit. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. Healing God, we remember before you all who are unwell. Give them the strength to cope with their illness and comfort them when they are discouraged. We pray for those who care for them. In a time of quietness, we think of all known to us who are in need of our prayers and those who have no one to pray for them. God of the spirits, 
Receive the souls of those who have come to the end of their earthly journey. Give them rest and peace in your eternal kingdom, where the clouds of earth's sorrow are lifted. As they pass from our sight, we thank you for the years of their presence among us. Comfort those who are missing them. As we journey with the Holy Family to Bethlehem, help us to share in the song of the angels, the gladness of the shepherds and the worship of the wise men. We say together, Merciful Father, accept, accept these, these prayers, prayers for, for the sake, sake of your Son, Son our, our Saviour, Jesus. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you please stand? In the tender mercy of our God, the day spring from on high shall break upon us to give light to those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And now we give you thanks, because you sent him to redeem us from sin and death, and to make us inheritors of everlasting life that when he shall come again in power and great triumph to judge the world, we may with joy behold his appearing, and in confidence may stand before him. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood. Who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies, 
We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. But you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, who chose the Blessed Virgin Mary to be the mother of the promised Saviour, fill us, your servants, with your grace, 
that in all things we may embrace your holy will and with her rejoice in your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. the Son of Righteousness, shine upon you, scatter the darkness from before your path, and make you ready to meet him when he comes in glory. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.